morning, church. Welcome to the Sunday service of FCC. Uh, I think as COVID is not exactly coming to an end, but as we learn to live with COVID in our lives, the new normal is that, you know, as the church opens up, I mean, I'm glad to see the faces here, and I'm sure there are many people still online, whether making a decision of whether to come on site, to join us on site for the service, or just to, you know, enjoy our service uh, in the comfort of their own homes. But as the past two and three years have actually showed us, there is a difference, you know, coming on site, participating in a service, worshipping together, rather than being at home, uh, just being by yourself, worshipping God. And the idea is that whether you find FCC to be the community that you are actually looking for in terms of your spiritual journey, uh, I would really encourage each and every one, you know, to really come back, uh, join us, and then just uh, be with each other and support each other in this period of time as we try to get back to a new normal. So let us now prepare our hearts with a call to worship. Come, walk in green pastures. We, we follow, follow the shepherd. Come, lie down in green pastures. We, we trust, trust the shepherd. Come, Dine at the table of abundance. We are, we are fed, fed by the shepherd. Come, dwell in God's house. We live, live in the shepherd's, shepherd's care. Loving shepherd, you know our names. You care for us. When we face darkness and death, walk beside us. When we hunger for your love, fill us with your presence. When we are fearful, feed us at your table. May we dwell in the house of goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. Amen. Now let us join the worship team for a time of worshipping together. Start to spread, won't begin to fill the 
Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts. We want to see you. We want to see you. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Would you open the eyes of our
Good morning, church. Please take a seat. Um, will you join me in a time of prayer? As we close our eyes and gradually begin to prepare ourselves for prayer, allow yourselves to settle into your breath Have a sense of space around you. Breathe and rest in the presence of God. To the God of many names, thank you for the chance to gather as your people to worship you. For in a different time, not too long ago, no one would have imagined that there could be a place like this where your children could worship you as full persons. And in a time not too long ago, we ourselves would never have thought of questioning that we could be loved in community, not because, not in spite of, but precisely because of who we are. Lord, Thank you for your radical love, how transgressive it is, how mind-boggling it is, that for us, the people of the cross, continually encounter this confounding Jesus whom we worship. Thank you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we do not fully love ourselves and for the times we are not honest with ourselves and to those around us. Forgive us, Lord, for closing up our hearts, our eyes and our minds, hindering the work of your Spirit and hindering our ability to be true disciples and witnesses to your love and your work in our lives. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we place our trust in our own efforts, our own achievements, our strength, our material possessions, instead of surrendering and leaning on you to carry out your mission here on earth. And forgive us, Lord, for the times our brokenness became a barrier to your work in our lives, 
and in this community that we call FCC. Lord, we pray and ask that you open our eyes so that we do not allow ourselves to be lulled into a false sense of security, to think that the work is done, safe and accepting and as, as FCC is. Open our ears so that we continue to listen to the suffering of the people around us and in the world beyond the four walls of this church. And with your guidance, Lord, and it is your will, help us to act to alleviate the suffering of the people around us. Open out our hearts and tear down the walls and barriers that we have erected in our hearts so that you may enter and show us as you did to Peter in the book of Acts. How marvellous and boundless your love is. And Lord, as we rest in a few moments of silence, speak to us. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us and for hearing the prayers of our hearts, spoken and unspoken. Lord, we pray and ask that you guide us in every step of the way and that in all moments of our lives, as we pray unceasingly, help us, Lord, to be always ready to do your will. All this we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. to 
morning. Thank you for joining us this Sunday morning. And as you know, this Easter season, we are returning to the lectionary for our sermon series, Easter Encounters. Um, and we have added a new way of, uh, of easily connecting to our mentee. Uh, those of you who are, uh, who are new to us, um, we use mentee as a, a sermon engagement tool. You can scan the QR code, or you can go to menti.com and key in the code 61197931, or you can just type in fcc.la/menti um, as a shortener, and you can get straight into that. Um, this allows you to participate as we reflect and build up the sermon together. And I want to start off with this question. What does the word Gentile mean? For those of you who 
Um, you might have a, was here last week, you might have a sense of deja vu. You know, it's not a mistake, right? Um, because uh, I, I like to do this because many, many years ago when I was a student, um, when I was a student, uh, my maths teacher, uh, Mr. Yeo, gave us the same test during remedial classes. For three weeks in a row, he gave the same test and I failed the first two. And on the third one, I passed. But he told me, this is the third time you took the same test. You should score full marks. And I wanted to ask this question because I wanted to um, invite you to think, right? Pauline said that um, she used to think, and I did too, the word Gentile means anyone who is not Jewish. And due to the tradition and Bible translations, this is the most common understanding of the word Gentile. But the Jews were not the only one who used this word. Pauline pointed out that at various points of, of history, the Romans, the Greeks, the Jews, and even Christians all used the term Gentiles to mean anyone other than themselves. Human beings have a general propensity to exclude those who do not belong to their own tribe or people group. Um, I can see some of you are either playful or not paying attention um, because there are nine of you who gave answers that are kind of a bit off, right? But that's okay. We learn along the way. And in every language, in every culture, there's always words and ways to define who belongs in the group and who doesn't. There's always the us and the them. Gentile is just one of those words. The lectionary passage today, however, teaches us something very different. And this is from Acts um, chapter 11. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea, heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to the uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profaned or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At the very moment, three men sent to me from uh, Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. 
He told us how he had seen the angel standing in the house saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said, John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then, if then God gave them the same gift that God gave us when we first believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. God is about including everyone and not just those within your tribe. This passage from Acts 11 is largely Peter recounting what happened in Acts 10, explaining to the circumcised believers who criticized him, saying, why did you go to the uncircumcised men and eat with them? Have you been asked a similar question before? Why do you go to this group of people and eat with them? Did someone ask you this? Who asked you this question? And who was the them? This them can be any group of people that is different from us. So I want to invite you to think about a time and or an occasion where someone asked you, why did you mix with a different group of people? It could be in the context of um, you know, growing up. It could be in a context of, um, you know, in church. It could be any context. So my friends asked you, why do you eat with or mingle with homeless people? Colleagues, or maybe kids who play trond, like your parents saying, why do you hang out with them, right? What other circumstances were you asked or questioned why you interacted with, socialized with a group that's different from yourself? My parents questioned, my, no, why do you hang out with your friends? Because they are not important, because they are not family. Usually people don't dare to ask, though they think this way, right? Yeah, some, you know, maybe in Singapore we are less um, uh, direct, right? They give you the look. Why are you hanging out with them? They are dirty. Some people who are considered dirty. Uh, why are you hanging out with conservative Trump-like people? Very good point to highlight that even us who consider ourselves progressive uh, have people that we do not want to hang out with. And this passage in Acts 11 and the story in Acts 10 and 11 has something to teach us. Them is all those who affirm LGBTQ. I get questioned and criticized all the time for attending FCC. I know. Many of you who are our allies of LGBTQ people come here at the cost of losing friends, of cost of um, being ostracized, but you're doing something that you feel compelled to, you feel that you had to do. 
um, my gay friends, why I hang out with PLU with disabilities? Hmm? Underdressed or the poorly dressed, why do you hang out with people who don't dress well? People with mental health issues? A friend asked me what drew me to FCC as I'm not gay. Yeah. Friends who are all not married, hang out with the LGBTQ, um, the ones who do not accept them. Yeah, the, you know, sometimes we ask, you know, why are you hanging out with this person who is, we think, homophobic or transphobic? Yeah, thank you for all your responses. We, in the name of our religion, often define who are the them, right? My seminary professor, um, Professor Mary Tobert, says anything in the Bible that's repeated is important. And in this passage, you have many repetitions, and Acts 11 is a repetition of Acts 10. There is a small detail here that's repeated three times, right? And actually, it's not in the Acts 11, but it's actually in Acts 9 and in 10 that this repeated. The last verse of Acts 9, verse 23 says, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tenor named Simon. And then in Acts 10, you know, verses 5 to 6, now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the tanner whose house is by the sea. And then in verse 32 again, send to Joppa for Simon who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the tanner who lives by the sea. I had in the past thought the repetitions of Simon's vocation, Simon the tanner, is so that we don't get confused between Simon Peter so that we have differentiate the two, right? Well, Peter, who is Simon, and then Peter, who is a tanner. Since uh, Peter's name is also Simon, because Peter is a nickname that Jesus gave to Simon Peter. But in preparing for this sermon, I came to realize that there is some significance to this Simon the tanner, to Peter staying with Simon the tanner. Why? Do you know what a tenor is? It's not that you go out in the sun and you, you know, get a tan. A tenor is someone who makes leather from animal skins. Why is it important to point that out? In a culture where it's very which is very focused on being ritually clean and what makes you unclean, a tenor is one of those occupations that's looked down upon because a tanner works with dead animals. And touching dead animals renders one unclean. This is from Leviticus chapter 11. Very clear. So a tanner's job, but a tanner's job is not just ritually unclean. It is also literally a dirty job. Dan Clenandurin, the founder of um, Journey with Jesus, writes, Simon the Tanner was a social economic outcast. Tanners worked with dead animals. The filth and stench were awful. And remember, this is a time thousands of years ago, there's no refrigeration, there's no chemicals, you know, there's no modern day stuff that will make this job a little easier and a little cleaner. So imagine how Simon, the tanner, looked and smelled at the end of the day, at the end of the hot day. He would be the object of social disdain. 
Almost anyone would have felt superior to him. But Simon the Tanner had joined the Jesus movement. He found acceptance there that society never gave him. So Simon the Tanner hosted Simon the Apostle. Given our human propensity for justifying ourselves and scapegoating others, the Jewish purity laws lend themselves to a moral hierarchy between the ritually clean, who considered themselves close to God, and those who were unclean, who were shunned as dirty sinners who were far from God. Instead of expressing the holiness of God, ritual purity became a means of excluding people who were considered polluted or contaminated. Jesus rejected ritual purity as a measure of spiritual status. He constantly interacted with people who were considered unclean. He touched the lepers. He reached out to tax collectors. He spoke to the Samaritan woman. And here, in a marvellous stroke of irony, Luke says that it's in the home of Simon, the tanner, a Gentile who handled animal carcasses every day, where Peter, the conscientious Jew, had his vision. Surprise! Of unclean animals. Peter learned that even though purity laws forbid him to associate with Gentiles, especially one as dirty as Simon, or as suspect as a Roman soldier like Cornelius, God has shown me what, that I should not call any man impure or unclean. I now realise how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Pauline challenged us last week not to limit what God is doing. God is about breaking the barriers and limits to what we consider possible. The circumcised believers who criticised Peter did so because that's what they believed. They had all sorts of ideas of what was clean and what was unclean, who were close to God and who were far from God. And this isn't too far from what someone today might say as, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Reverend, Reverend Dr. Eric Elness uh, uh, from United Church of Christ writes, By trade, a tanner works with dead animals. If this tanner goes to a synagogue or participates at all in temple rituals, he likely has to keep a very rigid schedule to make sure he's ritually clean. By contrast, of course, Peter is clean. He makes it abundantly clear. I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. But he's staying with someone who is perpetually in a state of uncleanness. Why would Peter do this? I wonder if Peter, like so many contemporary Christians, sees himself as being edgy. I'm clean, but I have a friend who's a tenor, right? How does Peter see himself in relation to the people he's, going to, he's in, going to interact with? Does he flirt with the line while maintaining the taboo? Kind of like those who are quick to say they have lots of close friends who are gay, but their religion doesn't allow them to condone such a lifestyle? Peter does not need a well-developed argument for why he does not interact with the Gentiles. His belief believes for him. His community believes for him. His scriptures believes for him. 
But, and there's a huge but, Peter is jolted out of what he has known all his life about what is clean and unclean by a vision. A vision that did not just happen once, not twice, but three times. And remember what my professor said about things that are repeated in the Bible. It means this is important. And it's also that vision, God telling Peter, it's not a you know, it's not hallucination. I'm trying to tell you something here. I'm reading, repeating myself three times. So Peter got out of his comfort zone and goes to Cornelius' men as instructed. And when he meets Cornelius, he tells Cornelius, you're well aware it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Wow. This coming Tuesday, the 17th of May, is Ida Hobbit, the International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia and Transphobia. What an appropriate sermon, no, what an appropriate lectionary passage. Coincidental, uh, there's no gay agenda here. Just now, and this is, a, this is what I picked, the, the, the worship song, right? That is where I have an agenda. I picked God and, of Moon and Stars, one of my favourite um, worship songs. And when we picked it before, um, there, there were worship leaders who expressed concern over the lyrics. Because the lyrics were challenging. The lyrics are challenging, you know. Imagine, I, I mean, not imagine, you heard the lyrics. God of the pure and undefiled, God of the pimp and pedophile. Wow. There's a lot of other lyrics, but I think that was the one that's probably the most challenging one. The thing is, I heard this worship song when I, was, I went to Jakarta Theological Seminary with Reverend Yap, I think in 2012 for the LGBT week. It left a deep impression on me. I witnessed what inclusion looked like in the oldest Christian seminary. And back then, that year, um, they hosted and they, they hosted that um, LGBTQ week, and they had guest speakers um, they, they, because they have relationships with the LGBT community in Jakarta, and so folks will come and present and talk. Um, None of, but none of the students or professors there were out. I don't even know any of them who are LGBTQ then. They were all allies at that point in time. In recent years, there were one or two students who came out quietly, privately to, the, to some of us. But back then, they were all allies. And they picked this song. This song that express that God doesn't differentiate, that the God that we worship is the God of even the people we have a deep um, prejudice against, the pimp and the pedophile. What a fitting reminder to God's radical, inclusive nature. And what an even more powerful reminder than what Peter said what God has made clean, you must not call profane. 
I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears God and does what is right. Peter learned that even though purity laws forbid him to associate with Gentiles, especially one as dirty as Simon or Cornelius, that is a, and especially Cornelius, because Cornelius is a Roman centurion. He was, think about it, an army officer of your occupiers. I think in today's um, lingo or today's context, you might think of um, Cornelius as a Russian officer in Ukraine. But this isn't the only example that God challenges people to break away from the ideas of who is close to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, it says, No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. Yet, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 56 says, let no foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will utterly exclude me from the Lord's people. And let the eunuch not say, I am but a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. I'll give to them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name that is better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. This inclusion continues, not just in, in, the, in the Hebrew Bible, but continues in Acts 8, where the Ethiopian eunuch, a gender non-conforming foreigner, is one of the first converts to Christianity, baptized by Philip just as he was without needing to change anything. Also, in the same chapter, two verses down, in Deuteronomy 20, uh, ver, uh, chapter 23, verse 3, it clearly says, No Ammonite or Moabite shall be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of their descendants shall be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. You know, like the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. But you know who is a Moabite? The great-grandmother of King David. Yeah. And she's one of the four women named in Jesus' genealogy in the Gospel according to Matthew. God is telling us through the inclusion of Ruth, a Moabite, an ancestor of Jesus, and according to law, you know, we are not supposed to admit them into the assembly of the, of the Lord, even to the 10th generation. This is an invitation card to our Christmas service in 2004. That's a very long time ago. It is the genealogy of Jesus um, written into a, a tr uh, Christmas tree. And we highlighted the certain key characters in red. Characters that are not really um, holy, holy, 
characters that have done something wrong in their lives, struggled in some way, didn't fit in. All these names are written into the DNA of Christ. A Moabitess is an ancestor of Jesus. That's in Jesus' DNA. Yet, the Bible says, no Moabites and their descendants shall be admitted into the assembly of the Lord. What is God trying to tell us? And I want to ask you that. What is God trying to tell us here? Usually in a sermon, I will be the one telling you what God is trying to tell us. But I want to invite you to think about what is God trying to tell us? And sometimes we have surprising answers. None shall be excluded. Even if you do not go to church, you can be holy. That's true. But that doesn't give you an excuse not to come. (laughs) All is forgiven in the end. God's inclusion is bigger than the limitations of law and our theology. Rules may change depending on context. What God has made clean, no one can declare unclean. Things change. God is fair. Nothing is impossible. Keep an open mind. Things can change. Old Testament not relevant anymore. Uh, I think that that may not necessarily be just the Old Testament. It's not about relevance, but understanding the context of what is being said and what is the arc and what's the direction God is leading us. And I think that one word that is hopping everywhere is things change. Things change, yes. I want to invite you to think, has God changed? Could it be possible that our human understanding of God was wrong? And God has been trying to hint, tell us through visions three times to Peter, to us in different ways. I think you got it, I think you got it wrong. And God is trying to remind us, you got it wrong then, you got it wrong then, you got it wrong then, you got it wrong then in the Deuteronomy. You got it wrong in Leviticus. You got it wrong in the early church. Right? Could that be it? That God isn't the changing one, but we are the ones who are changing. Right? The text is full of contradictions. We are called to make a choice that's loving. Hmm. Don't reach God by following laws. We are still getting it wrong. God's circle is wider than we can ever imagine. Yeah. So... But I want to, while we are reading this Acts, right, I want to point out that wasn't the end of the story. Because the end is kind of um, a downer. In Paul's letter to the Galatians, we find out that Peter backtracked. And this is um, in Galatians chapter 2. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, 
he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Now, now, some of you might get confused. Uh, who is this Cephas um, that you're talking about? Right? Like last week, right, Pauline preached about Tabitha. That's her name in Aramaic. And Dorcas was a name in Greek. So Cephas is Peter's name in Aramaic. And Peter is the name in Greek. Because Petros, right? And that's why it's in Greek. So Cephas and Peter are the same person. Simon Peter. So Simon Peter stopped eating and fellowshipping with the Gentiles when those men from James, and this James is the brother of Jesus, huh, arrived at Antioch. The pressure from the peers, pressure from the conservatives, were more powerful than having visions from God. Even when God gives you a vision three times, your peers, the conservative ones, are more powerful. We cannot underestimate the power of pressure to conform with the in-group because we too want to belong. Yet, we are all here today, gathered as a faith community and worshipping God despite the exclusivists. This is the core of God's radical inclusive nature the nature of love. Paul argues for inclusion. One chapter down in Galatians, his letter to Galatians, he says, he writes, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Excluding people runs against the nature of of love. And one very clear way of excluding people is by defining who is us and who is them. And we do it very easily by just labeling people, as simple as us and them. It allows us to draw the line. Labeling makes them the other. It allows us to discriminate, to hate to vilify, to denigrate. And this is the strategy of othering. This is how human beings deal with the cognitive dissonance arising from causing another human being harm and suffering. This is how decent human beings can commit atrocious crimes like genocide because the other is not one of us and they are not even human. Labeling the other is an act of dehumanization. I want to remind all of us that God created humankind in God's own image. That div this divine image, the Imago Dei, is imprinted on every human being. No exceptions. When we dehumanize the other, we desecrate and trample on the image. 
if we think that, you know, our holy Bibles, our holy symbols, whether it's the crucifix or the cross, you know, we need to treat it with respect, with honour. You know, we cannot just anyhow, anyhow, right, put the Bible in a place that's not exactly very clean, you know. Then, how we treat other human beings need to be even more sacred. We need to treat human beings with even more care because God's very own image is there. The reality is, we, the progressives, are also guilty of this othering. When we label those who are against us as fundies, bigots, and even teoliban, I want to invite us to think about this, right? Can we encounter God this Easter season and open ourselves to God's radical inclusive love? And yes, that also includes those we might think of as our enemies. And someone wrote just now, uh, the Trump-like people. When we obsess with laws and rules, when we draw lines and show who's us and who's them, we lose sight of what love is and what love means. This is from Romans chapter 13, from Paul. Let no depth remain outstanding, except the continuing depth to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, you shall not... Um, and whatever command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbour. And therefore, love is the fulfilment of the law. The early followers of Jesus included Simon the Tanner, Cornelius, the Roman centurion, his entire household, the utopian eunuch, and many, many others who didn't fit in. Many, many others that their religious beliefs, their religious system, their rituals, their culture says are unclean. This early church community included them. Today, are we still as radically inclusive? Or have we, like those communities in the past, fall back to seeing things as us and them? Who are the people that are excluded today? Who are the people God is inviting us to embrace and include? Who are these people we tend to exclude because of our tribal tendencies, our inclination to view people different from us with suspicion? Who? Who are you inclined to exclude in your lives? Because we can be in this bubble in this safe haven of progressives, and yet we are perpetuating these barriers. We become an exclusive, inclusive community. 
when we say inclusive, we mean it by including people who are different from us. That doesn't mean that they get to impose their views on us, but we will always welcome. We will always extend hospitality and love. Newcomers, the socially awkward, people I reach out to who do not reciprocate, include all. People who say things we don't like to hear, and sometimes the things that we don't like to hear might be the things that we really need to hear. And maybe what God may be trying to tell us. Toxic and negative people. The underprivileged refugees. People many miles away from us. My boss. <laughs> mm, okay. Hypocrites and the malicious. The outliers. Hypocrites. People who, with different thinking from us. Fundamentalists. Those who think I'm going against God's will, people we don't trust, homophobic Bible-believing Christians, people I disagree with, those who chew loudly. I, I think that you might exclude me. <laughs> those who share openly about mental health issues they are facing, exclusive people, politi politically conservative people. Thank you for all your responses. While we might be invited to embrace and include them, I think that we need to learn and perhaps explore how we include. Because that doesn't mean allowing them into our spaces just like that. Because that's opening ourselves up to being hurt. There's a different, you know, inclusion doesn't, doesn't mean that, that's, that we are open house and everything. I think that there, is, there are ways of including people with love and respect and yet maintain the safe space, maintain that safety and well-being of the community. Right? I think that, that we need to establish clarity because sometimes we are being accused that we are not inclusive when we tell someone who is repeatedly um, uh, doing harm and hurting people and we tell them that, you know, you're harming people here and I can, you know, we can no longer welcome you if you continue with this behaviour. We do not condone bad behaviour. That doesn't mean that everything goes, right? When we welcome, when we fellowship, when we interact with people who disagree with us, we need to make sure that we protect everybody's well-being, theirs and ours as well. Inviting someone says HIV and positive persons and homeless people, COVID positive people. Well, embracing them doesn't mean we expose ourselves, you know, to 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 um, COVID. I think that there are ways um, to show care and love and include people. Um, I think that there is a lot of um, heartwarming stories about people sending parcels and food deliveries to. Uh, friends who are you know, stuck at home because they are down with COVID. Yeah. Our understanding of God's in radical inclusive love is reflected ultimately in something that we do every single Sunday. I've told this story many times before but it's important to repeat again. This table 
It's a reflection of God's inclusive love. We say that, that there's no boundaries on this table, and later when Miri comes up and do communion, she will repeat that again. How we celebrate this communion is a reflection of how we understand God's love and God's radical inclusive love. This is an open table, open to all. All are welcome. What some people, and many of you might not um, know, if you have joined us only you know, after the COVID pandemic, is that we have added a little detail in our communion liturgy in the past. We would, in the past, pour some of the wine over the wine cups when the wine is consecrated. And why we do that is because this is adapted from the Jewish practice during Passover and described by Larson in the book, uh, Bound, in the book Bound for Freedom, the book of Exodus in Jewish and Christian traditions. He says the rabbis realized the danger of triumphalism and self-glorification in the story of Exodus and the final victory over the Egyptians. In the Red Sea crossing, the fact remains that Israel is saved and a considerable part of the Egyptian people are afflicted and finally destroyed. Aware of this dilemma, one rabbinic commentary describes a scene in front of the heavenly throne. The angels wanted to sing a song of praise when they witnessed what was happening to the Egyptians as the Israelites break out in the song of deliverance. But before they even start, they are reproached and silenced by God with the words, The work of my hands are drowned in the sea, and you want to sing songs. Any suffering, even that of the oppressor, should make us reflect upon and subdue the joy that we may feel. A reminder in a very concrete way during this Passover meal is in connection with the, reading the list of the ten plagues in the Passover Haggadah, some drops of wine in the cup are spilled out at every plague. The, joy, the cup of joy cannot be full when one's own salvation is achieved while others are suffering, even if it is one's persecutors who are hit. This custom is explained during the Passover meal and leaves a permanent impression on the participants. We want to repeat that too, because we want to remember our joy is not complete as long as there's still suffering outside these walls. Our celebration is not complete. Our salvation is not complete until all are saved, until all realize they are beloved of God. We hope that even as we pour some of the wine we will in some small way affirm our solidarity with those who still suffer. Our joy is only complete when there's shalom, when all of creation is in right relationship with God and with each other. In the past two years, we have not done this detail because we've been serving communion in these um, disposable cups. And we are now exploring how we can include this detail back and move away from these disposable cups which are really un un environmentally unfriendly. Right? We will probably use up all, the, all, all these uh, disposable cups um, in the next couple of weeks. And as, we you know, as I study how we can do the communion, 
um, within the requirements that, it, um, that the government has placed out. Um, but we need to think about that, uh, all these details and for everyone's um, well-being, health and safety as well. But this is the inclusive table. This is how radical love can be. And every time you partake of communion, may you remember what it means and what God is inviting us into to stop thinking about the us and them. This table isn't a table where we, we say who's in and who's out, who's included and who's not included, because we are all included. And that is how we are meant to live our lives as well. And until that day, we're all are in right relationship with one another, when there is shalom. We long for that day, but as we journey, we as flawed human beings, may we remember what God has, called, has made clean. Let us not call profane. Let us recognize the image of God in all our human siblings, regardless regardless of what labels have been placed upon them. Amen. For those who joining, for those who join us at home, um, please feel free to take um, your bread and wine as well, so that we can partake the communion together. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are not all physically together. The table of God's face transcends time and space, because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. Good Shepherd, we take your care for granted. In the midst of your many blessings, we complain of not having enough. In the presence of danger, we fail to trust your abiding love. When we set a table before us, we turn aside from you. Call us back into your fold. Help us trust your caring presence and Provision that our action may proclaim your truth. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. God forgives our failures and calls us back into the flock. Loving God, our shepherd, we are the sheep of your pasture. You know us by name. We, we offer, offer great grateful thanks, thanks for, for your, your loving, loving care. care. 
open our hearts and minds to the guiding of your spirit in our lives. Lead us in the right paths that we may serve you in truth and action. Amen. God prepares the table for us, offering us a feast of abundant love. Our cups overflow with the bounty of grace. For our shepherd knows, for our shepherd knows us as no one else can, restoring our soul, healing our brokenness, nourishing us with bread and cup for the life of ministry. We remember how Jesus, our shepherd, took bread and after giving thanks, broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
come to the table and feast with the shepherd. Let us partake of these communion elements together with thanksgiving. Please stand for those who are willing and able. God of love, you, you abide with us. Your, your loving presence fills us. us. You, you provide us with all that we need in abundance. abundance. Help us love one another in truth and action. Help us give ourselves to those in need. Help us care for others the way our shepherd cares for us. May our lives reflect our wholehearted trust in our shepherd's everlasting love and care. Amen. Thank you and welcome once again to the Sunday service of FCC. Uh, I'd like to first thank Pastor Miak for the sermon. As I was listening to it, it just reminded me of uh, Roe versus Wade in the States because the Supreme Court is like making a decision to overturn uh, and yeah, make abortion illegal again. So this is kind of strange that, you know, it's... it's it's a law that's very in a, in a country that's very far away from Singapore. And yet, you know, you do know that this is something that impacts human lives. And closer to home, I think throughout the COVID uh, period, there was this, you know, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. And maybe in the religious circle, it's the Christians versus the non-Christians. But as we stand here in this congregation, uh, worshipping God, do we actually recall that today is actually Visak Day? That actually is our Buddhist siblings that are celebrating some things too. So, or do we say that, uh, no, that, that, that is of no concern with us. So I think FCC stands for, really, there's no us versus them. But I think the sermon does remind each of us to think, what do we stand for? Maybe for me, my us versus them is introverts versus extroverts. Because if you're extrovert, don't come near me. You know what I mean? So, but that also allows me to think, how do I actually enlarge my circle to actually say that, yeah, I think you irritate me a bit, but I still welcome you into my life, but just keep a certain distance, you know. We, we, we do by little, little measures so that ultimately we do recognise that each of us are creation of God. Each of us carries the image of God in us and each of us is a beloved child of God. So indeed, for whatever reason you come to FCC to worship, whether coming on site, whether coming online, there must be a reason that you find something attractive in FCC that asks you to come and join us. So as we look at each other, let us just look at this commonality that pulls us together as a community, that indeed we may be called a community that you know, really uh, 
follows God in what we proclaim God is teaching us to do. So I'd like to welcome everyone once again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. And if you are new with us, all right, whether you are new in terms of the number of times you come for our service or you feel that you are new because you actually do not know what FCC stands for, uh, please allow us to stay in touch with you by filling up the form at scc.la/welcome, and then somebody will reach out to you. Every month, we actually have a newcomers meeting. For this month, the newcomers meeting is on 29th of May after the service. If you'd like to know, speak to some of, speak to the pastors, speak to some of the leaders in church and... Uh, question us on what we stand for, what, I mean, how we run the church, etc., etc., uh, please send an email to info at freecomchurch.org uh, to uh, indicate your interest to join this newcomers meeting, and then we'll actually give you the link to join. So now we have come to the giving segment of the service. Uh, FCC is a church that runs uh, based on the generosity of the giving of each and every single person, regardless of whether you're a member or you're a friend of the church. So you may give by uh, scanning the two, give by PayNow by scanning the two QR codes. Uh, one goes to the general fund, one goes to the building fund, or you may also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Please note that giving by credit card only gives to the general fund and the platform does collect a fee of 1.5%. So for those on site who would like to uh, give by dropping some cash or check into the collection bags. Uh, I'll just ask the stewards to come and collect. You just raise your hands later, but before that, can we just pray first? Thank you. God, indeed, we thank you for creating us, for creating those that are like us and those that are unlike us. But we know that regardless you love each and every one of your creation. God, it is difficult for us to love as you do. But teach us. Let us learn. Open our eyes, open our ears. And let us see your image in each and every living things on this earth. And as we give of our finance, of our time, of our effort, we know that we are giving all this in response to your love so that more people will know your love for them too. God, we lift up all this in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we like to invite the stewards to just... So if you like to give, just please uh, raise your hands to drop the offering into the bags. Coming to the announcement section of the service, we only got two announcements today. The first announcement is that we need you, okay? Need is such a strong word, but it is a very important word because uh, throughout the COVID period and even now, even if rules have relaxed, we have decided to continue with the online uh, broadcast of the Sunday service. And with each online broadcast, there's actually a huge team behind. There's a team behind doing uh, the sound, doing the production service, doing the videos. At this moment, you can see that actually there are like five cameras uh, on site, but there's only two cameramen. One is on the hive and one is here. So our camera team, our video team is actually very, very slim. 
uh, we actually need volunteers for the video production ministry. The camera, so you do not have to, you do not need to have any technical skills, but if you are interested to come and help to do the video production, uh, there's actually the camera, we are running a course on the camera operations fundamentals on 21st of May, the 21st of May, Saturday from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. And then there'll be a camera operations practice session on Saturday, 4th of June, 10 to 12 p.m. You may sign up at info at freecomchurch.org if you're interested to volunteer for this ministry. And now I'd like to invite Pastor Pauline to come and give the second announcement for asking for volunteers. So, obviously, this is the time, the season, uh, where if you are thinking about how you can serve, how you can get involved in church, there are many different opportunities. So, another opportunity you have uh, is for our worship team. Right? So, those of you who feel called towards worship, who are gifted in this area, um, but one of the things that we have really realized uh, over the years of um, you know, ministering together the worship team is that it is a team. Okay, so what we're looking for is actually not just people who feel like individually are very gifted, uh, but people who can really work in a team. And especially if you feel like you've been embedded into community already. Okay, so you had a chance to be one part of our, one of our cell groups, you're part of our community. You feel, yeah, I think I understand this community a little bit better. I want to serve in some way and God is leading you that way. Um, please email us at info at freecomchurch.org uh, and we'll talk with you and get to know you and to figure out, you know, where is God leading you with this and how we can work together, okay? And this week, we are celebrating birthdays. Okay, so every week, well, every month we try to celebrate birthdays, okay? And so you'll see uh, on our screen, we have a lot of May babies, right? For some reason, we have many, many, many May babies, which is great, it's wonderful, um, we want to take some time to pray for all of our siblings. So all of our May babies, Tra, Lynette, Oliver, Grace, Jimmy, Chris, Roy, Sean, Langelin, Zach, Eugene, Riven, Joanne, Michael, Stephen, Miguel, Randy, and anyone else here uh, who might be celebrating your birthdays. Um, the, the ones that are on screen are those who are our members. So if you're a member and your name is not on screen, it's your birthday in May, uh, something is, there's an issue, okay? so please come and tell me. Uh, if you're not a member, um, maybe your name is not up there, but I want to be praying for you as well, okay? Uh, at the same time, I'll be praying for the April babies, okay? I'm sorry that we didn't get to do this in April. I say this as a fellow April baby, okay? So I'm praying for myself too. Uh, but I want to pray for all of you because you all matter to us. Uh, and you're all, each of you is important to us, okay? So let's pray together for our siblings. Dear God of love, God who includes all. God, you have loved us with an everlasting love, each one of us. And so many of us are here today because of your love that has called us and transformed us. And we thank you for each and every sibling that we have, especially those who are celebrating their birthdays in April and May. Each of them are so important to, what? to all of us. And we want to, as a community, support them, celebrate them, and truly help them to continue to grow in your likeness, in your love. That as a community that we will be called to truly be the family that all can belong to. And so we pray for our siblings who are celebrating their birthdays, that you will bless each one of them 
richly with your grace, with your joy, with your presence each day of their lives. That even as they take this journey uh, in the year ahead, that you continue to expand their hearts, that you continue to deepen their souls, enrich their minds, that they may love you with all their hearts, souls, minds and bodies, and through their lives, embody Christ wherever you send them. So God, we thank you for the gift of them, for each of them. We thank you for the gift that they are to us as a community, and we pray that we can be a gift to them as well. And so we commit them all into your loving and uh, hands of care as we pray for them in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, if you're willing and able, will you stand for the benediction? God who loves all, thank you. Thank you for your love for us that is constantly challenging us, transforming us towards being able to love others as well, especially those we consider them. God, help us to realize that we are both us and them, that there is no distinction that your love covers over all. Help us to truly embody love that way because alone and on our own we can't. But God, we know that in the power of your spirit, in the power of your love, that we will be transformed in your likeness. So now go. Go as God's people of love, people of inclusion, people who seeks to love all, especially those who are hard to love. So go and make a difference in this world as God enables you, as God empowers you, as God goes with you. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us for service this afternoon. I just pray that you have a wonderful Sunday and a week ahead. God bless you.